Hello, beautiful people. <laughs> Welcome to Rebirth of Venus podcast. This is our first episode. And by our, I mean I. It's just me. My name's Caitlin. And, oh, actually, I'm lying. I'm here with my two cats who snuck in my recording studio. And by recording studio, I mean extra room. Um, <laughs> so brutal honesty here, but that's how I roll. I am so happy to be here. This podcast has been a long time in the making, not as a podcast. I didn't actually know what form this information, these downloads, whatever you want to call them. I had no idea what form they would take, just that they would take a form. And here we are. So welcome. I want to thank you so much for being here, for listening, for tuning in, and uh, for joining me on this unfolding that is occurring in my life, in the lives of those around me, in the world. So let me get started. Today, it's our first episode. Again, it's my first episode. <laughs> and I want to talk about a few, a few topics I'd like to focus on. And first of all, I'd like to focus on the archetype of Venus. Why Venus? Who Venus is to me? and why this Venus matters. I also would like to talk about the sacred pleasure of your highest potential, which is a big part of what the archetype of Venus means to me. And I also want to touch on Venus retrograde, which at the time of this airing, October 5th, will be the first day of Venus retrograde. And I, uh, Felt it would be remiss, seeing as how this episode, this podcast is called Rebirth of Venus, I thought I would be remiss as to not address what that means in terms of your life, in terms of astrology, and also just in terms of um, what, what that's going to mean for you. So let's get started. I, who am I? Who the hell am I? My name's Caitlin. Um, I am a witch. I'm a secular pagan, and this is relevant because um, a lot of paganism focuses on the use of archetypes um, or even deities. Now, some pagans view deities, someone like Venus, as just that, a deity. They view her as a, as a she, as a very real presence that can be talked to, much in the way that people talk about God. That's God with a capital G. <laughs> um, of course, God can mean many things to different people, but many pagans do view deities in this light. Now, others who are secular, like myself, um, view this energy as more of an archetype. And this is an idea that was is actually relatively new to me. I'd always, um, I'd always identified as a witch since I had developed my own spirituality. And I didn't really identify with my perceptions of paganism because I had this idea that, you know, deities were a part of it. And in no way did I believe in personified divinity. And so I just sort of ignored that whole piece. I really kind of ignored neo-paganism after my initial explorations because I didn't really see I had a place in that. And I focused more on um, sort of folk magic, working of charms, things like that. Things that I sort of intuitively um, 
delved into things that I later found out were actually part of my heritage. I was being intuitively drawn to my heritage being, um, Slavic, English, um, I think there's some Italian in there, there's some Dutch in there, so um, Eastern European as well as Western European. Um, for me also, it was about a set of practices that was really focused on self-empowerment and was focused on um, really embodying the self and bringing things to manifest in the world. And so I'm pausing because mm, there are cats scratching outside of the door. They're very stressed. We have four cats. My boyfriend and I have four cats. And um, quick side note, they don't like being closed out of, out of rooms. <laughs> so I might have to pause in a moment and go let them in if the scratching continues. Anyway. So this is what um, the sort of spiritual path I had entered on at a relatively young age. So it wasn't until I think maybe two years ago, possibly more, possibly less, give or take, a couple of years ago, I discovered a woman called Carolyn Elliott. Um, I highly recommend checking out her work. And I had followed her for some time. I had been introduced to her through another podcast called Hippie Witch um, by Joanna DeVoe, which is fantastic. And I eventually enrolled in one of her flagship courses called Influence. It's a course on life-altering practical magic, no big deal. And I really can't recommend it highly enough. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of that much now. But part of the practice of that course is to work with a deity. And she, for the first time, really clearly explained in words that I identified with and understood that deities are actually just archetypes. They are elements of the collective unconscious, um, which is a idea of Carl Jung, this idea of the anima mundi, this world soul that everything comes from. It's the reason why um, there are symbols in dreams. Carl Jung also looked a lot, he also, um, explored a lot about the symbolism of dreams and how they were elements of this collective unconscious. And so Carolyn Elliott talked about how she, or how it was believed um, by some that these deities, so-called deities, were actually just elements of the collective unconscious. They were very real forces. Um, they were sets of beliefs, sets of identity, actions, um, and that you could tap into those by creating a relationship with this, um, this body of energy. Whether or not you viewed it as something omniscient, um, omnipresent, I think I just confused or mixed up two different words and combined them there. But you get the point. Something that's everywhere. Um, you really... Um, you you can actually tap into this idea of collective energy by altering the way you act, altering things you do, even the way you dress, things like that. And that was really interesting to me. So um, I'm not going to get into my work in that course. I've done a number of rounds in it now. I'm not going to get into that at this time. But that was my introduction to this idea that, that deities were archetypes and could be something beyond just a, 
something beyond a um, a something you had to like pray to, if that makes sense. So something very far from many people's beliefs of the Judeo-Christian God. So moving on, <laughs> um, I realized, you know, I, I really don't see this energy as gendered. I see us as giving characters to this energy, in the case of Venus, Aphrodite, but there are actually traditions in all world traditions. You know, there's a love goddess or a love deity, not even always a goddess. Again, the energy itself is not gendered. So while I talk about Venus as a she, in no way do I view it as a feminine energy. In fact, I don't actually, I don't actually believe that energy is masculine or feminine. And that is actually very counter to much energy work, um, new age thought, a lot of what is discussed in terms of energy, in terms of the themes of this show. Um, in terms of all of that. So when I say I don't view this energy as masculine or feminine, what I mean is this. A lot of the new thought around masculine versus feminine has indeed moved beyond male and female, which is great because the reality is I believe, I know, that there are many infinite gender expressions in the world and that we don't need to hold too tightly onto this idea of I'm masculine, I'm feminine. So a lot of the current thought around these themes is that we both, we all have both. Now for me though, in my sense of logic, if we have both, then it's just energy. You know, it's not that we have both, it's that energy has different forms. So I hope that makes sense, but um, I am, it's important for me to say this because as I talk about the archetype of Venus, this is not just for women or those identifying as women. This is for everybody. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting because I've learned that a lot of things that we consider quote unquote feminine are very cultural. Now, I live in Mexico. I'm from the United States originally. Um, I grew up in Baltimore, which is very funny because only maybe this month I started saying Baltimore with a T as opposed to Baltimore with a D. So I think I'm losing my accent. In Baltimore, we always say Baltimore. So anyway, <laughs> side note. So I live in Mexico. and I live in Mexico City. And um, I've really, it's interesting because, and these are just generalizations. Let me just get that clear. <laughs> Generalizations as someone who is something of an outsider. <laughs> well, I am an outsider. I'm a foreigner. Um, but I do live here and I live with my boyfriend who is Mexican and um, I have, you know, I still feel like I can make, like my observations are have are somewhat valid <laughs> and some of them have been reflected have been um verified by conversations he and i have had or things we've talked about with his family things like that anyway um it's really interesting because there's this conception of mexican culture being very having this strong machismo but and, and that's certainly true i mean the reality is the west the world i would argue is entrenched in patriarchy. So, I mean, that's just, that's 
a very real limitation we're dealing with. But I noticed this initially when I was talking with some friends and I was saying how I can identify an American man anywhere from a mile away. And they were laughing about this and they're asking how. And I said, well, they walk very differently than Mexican men. And my friends were, of course, forced me to demonstrate. I think there were probably quite a few beers involved. And um, I did. Got some laughs. And um, what I realized is that American men, again, generalization. But overall, even American men who are not overly, you know, like who, who aren't the typical man's man, they still walk in a very like rigid way, if I could describe it. And Mexican men walk much more, like, in a way that would be considered feminine. And um, it's not that... I, I'm really struggling with using these words because I don't believe in them. <laughs> but I hope I'm making my point. And what I realized is that um, appreciation of beauty, of fluid movement, of these... Just a couple of these ideas that are considered in the United States to be more feminine are in many other cultures much more welcomed. Um, I mean, even think about this. There's a preconception that European men, um, that they are more effeminate. They, and what people mean by this, again, take this all with a grain of salt. <laughs> I'm not saying this is what I believe, but people often say, oh, you know, they spend more time on their appearance, on their, you know how they dress, how they groom, things like that. Um, and it's interesting because I've traveled widely and, um, and known men from all over the world, <laughs> and both known, literally and known in the biblical sense. <laughs> so um, what's interesting is that actually I've learned that, that in many other cultures, there's much more of a place for beauty. And I feel like that is lacking in the United States for many people. Hell, for me. <laughs> I really can only focus on my own experience here. So, um, for these reasons, I don't view these energies as, as gendered. So let me tell you a little bit more about what I mean by these energies. So, for me... The reason I got introduced to Venus is I had been working um, with some other types of energy in my life, in my magical practice as a witch, and I received a download to start working with Venus, somebody I had worked with in the past and had been pretty transformative, but to really, I really felt her, quote unquote, <laughs> starting to speak to me and really getting these downloads. And I started sharing um, other aspects of what I'd been experiencing in my spiritual um, evolution, I, which I have been going through a lot of this year and last year too. <laughs> but um, I had been sharing that on my Instagram page, which is at rebirth underscore of Venus. Little shameless plug there, add me. But I had been talking about... Um, sort of gritty spiritual evolution, you know, really trying to be really down and dirty about what I was experiencing and not presenting what I was experiencing through the veneer, the illusion of love and light that so many people do. And I'm not trying to say that that's wrong, but honestly, I don't identify with that because to me, spiritual evolution is does not feel light. It feels heavy. It feels hard. It feels difficult. As you 
as you work through your shit, it's extremely painful. And so I really wanted to be a voice for that. <laughs> I'd had so many people over the years say, oh, am, am I doing something wrong? Like, this is so hard. This is horrible. And I'm like, no, you're doing it right. <laughs> you're just not spiritually bypassing your bullshit, like is extremely popular to do these days. Anyway, so um, she started showing up for me, really delivering me these messages. And surprisingly again, based on these preconceived notions, which I had inherited culturally. Surprisingly, she wasn't showing up as the flowery, wispy goddess energy that's so ubiquitous in the new age. And again, no tea, no shade. I mean, sort of. There is a little shade here, actually, because I think that's bullshit. I'll just come out and say it. I think that's bullshit. I think that really we're doing a disservice to are um, the work of our souls by presenting spirituality in this context that it's like, like I said, always love, always light, um, always, you know, you have to be a goddess, empower your goddess energy, like your divine feminine, like all of these phrases actually make me want to gag. Um, and I say that with love, but with truth. And that's because I really do feel like Things are so much more nuanced than that. And um, while you can embody that, those characteristics I just stated in a way that's genuine, a, a lot of it isn't, I find. So rant over. <laughs> so she wasn't showing up in this way. Um, she was, in fact, showing up with more fierceness. She was kind of like, you know, that friend I'm going to say girlfriend in this case, but that friend who is really um, tells you it tells you things as they are. They they show you your shit. They say, really, is that what you're doing? Um, You know, they say, oh, are you sure you want to wear that? Not because they are snobs, not because they have this like. This really rigid sense of fashion standards, but because they realize that in that outfit, you're not actually showing the world who you are you're trying to be something you're not right and this is a metaphor I mean this is real because I literally get this message from her when I get dressed in the morning like really is that what you want to wear or are you just trying to dim your light so that nobody notices you you know <laughs> like really <laughs> so this is how she was showing it up she was showing up as a profoundly high set of standards again not standards that came from snobbery but standards that came from knowing i could do better and then i wasn't and this was brutal for my ego because i'm a capricorn <laughs> um i'm a capricorn and i really realized in recent years how much i embody those characteristics you know and the idea that someone would you know, say, even somebody fictional, <laughs> which essentially an archetype is, would say, would tell me, would deliver this download from spirit to me that I, my standards weren't high enough, that actually hurt my feelings. <laughs> and I got very defensive because I've, I consider myself somebody with very high standards, again, because I expect the best from people, because I expect the best from myself. But the reality was, as she showed me, I was actually had gotten quite lazy and, you know, that was that may come to a surprise as a surprise for those of you who know me personally. Um, but 
when I say lazy, I mean just like the little things that truly mattered, I was able to put off in the name of busy work, in the name of like, oh, I have to just work, you know, 60 hours a week at my job job. So like, how can I do this other shit that I'm trying to get done? So um, that was really interesting to me. It was more you can do better rather than you need to do better. And that's a really important distinction to make because it, because it, you know, you're enough. I'm enough. We're fine. I mean, despite what the whole world of personal development wants to sell you and also just capitalism wants to sell you, you're fine the way you are. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the better version of yourself. And I talked about this on Instagram, I don't know, a few weeks ago, how, again, this was a download I'd received from Venus was, you know, you, it's not that you need to be something else. You just need to reveal more. Self-development work is to reveal your true nature, who you truly are, which is love. And like all the shit of the world (laughs) piles on you. And I heard a a metaphor once that, or a simile, simile is like an as a metaphor. Yeah, right. I'm remembering this from, you know, second grade English. Um, This comparison, we'll say that the, that you're a light bulb, right? You're light. And I know I just was bitching about love and light, but like this is what I mean is your soul, the light of your soul, okay? And everything that happens in the world, everything that you experience, um, even the good things, because a lot of them are presentations of the ego. Nothing wrong with that. But what this all does is this kind of makes your light bulb dirty. And you're still shining. It's still the same amount of light underneath. But your glow gets dimmed. And the more dirt, the more grime gets on that light bulb, the more you're like, wow, do I need to replace this light bulb? So you think, oh, I need to, you know, and this is, I think, where their metaphor ended and mine begins. (laughs) They, you know, oh, I need to get a new light bulb. I need to replace the light bulb in my bathroom, right? And then you look at it carefully. This happens in my apartment all the time because Mexico City is hella dusty and my apartment is hella, hella dusty as a result. Um, I look at it and think, oh, it's actually just coated in grime because I, who, who dusts their light bulbs? I mean, I think my mom does, but you know, um, I don't, I guess I should raise my standards there, but Venus hasn't told me to yet. So I have an excuse not to. Anywho, I, so this all coats your light bulb and really the work of spirit, of your spiritual practice of self-development, however you approach this is to clean off the grime with the realization, the understanding that the grime is always going to come back on. This isn't like a cleansing process, like a permanent cleansing process. This is your life's work, okay? So don't think that like, oh, I just have to like read one more book or just like go to one more, you know, retreat in the rainforest if you're blessed enough to have that opportunity. (laughs) Or I just have to, you know like do this one more thing and I'll be, I'll be clean. Ooh, I get chills when people talk that way because they do mostly in terms of diet. Usually I'm not going to get into that in this episode, although I will in a future episode. So the idea of like clean living, I get that. I get what people are saying by it, but to me that really just misses the mark because you're always going to get dirty again. Right? So you, this is your life's practice. Okay. I'm getting on to a little tangent. Let me, let me get back. So the archetype of Venus, um, 
it was about beauty. The messages she was giving me were about beauty, but not fluff. The fact that beauty is in our blood, the appreciation and pursuit of beauty and pleasure. And this is pleasure that resonates deeply. Not what you're told to want. That pursuit has always given us the strength. I say us as in humans, humanity. Strength to carry on through sickness, through challenge, through war, through heartbreak. I mean, as you know, the earliest human records show art, show beauty. And caring for ourselves in this way, allowing ourselves to experience pleasure and beauty that resonates deeply with us, what might be a bubble bath for one woman or a, you know, lighting candles for one man or, um, and I say man and woman, I just was like picking those words out of my head. Again, this is not about gender identity. And I'm completely aware that many people do not identify as male or female. Venus is for all of us, okay? So what works for one person might not work for somebody else. And I talk about baths and candles because those are the common ways that people talk about like self-love, like take a bath, light a candle, buy yourself flowers. Okay, Obviously, you should be doing all those things unless you don't have a bath like I don't. (laughs) But, you know, those are like the bare minimum as far as I'm concerned. You got to go deep here. Like, is self-love actually about like buying yourself an expensive candle or is it about saving your fucking money? (laughs) Only you can tell me. (laughs) Anyway, so, you know, this is about self-love here because the way we view the world If we view the world as beautiful, it's really hard to not see yourself as part of that. And vice versa, in fact, more often vice versa. If you see yourself as ugly, and I don't just mean looks, I mean you see your life as ugly. You complain all the time. You have a lot to complain about because you haven't taken, made changes to your life, you know? You complain about your job, but you haven't actually like looked for a new one. I'm sorry, I don't want to hear it. Okay, I sounded like a huge asshole there, but the reality is like I'm also trying to get off the complaint the complaining path. Not trying. As my love says, you don't try to do things, you do things. I love that. As I am doing, <laughs> getting off the complaining track, it's extremely challenging. Um but when you love yourself, you create a life you love. And that's mindset. It's mindset because the shittiest things in the world can fucking happen to you. And I don't say that lightly. I do not say that lightly. I say that somebody who has experienced and has people very close to me who've experienced extremely brutal, you know, traumas, tragedies. Like, this isn't something that I'm saying from a place of like, oh, everything's, you just attract your, you know, you attract things to you. This isn't about blaming you. This is about saying that like, if you you have a choice in how you take what is going on in your life and what you do with it. That's a choice nobody can take away from you, and that's power. You are empowered. And if you have been led to believe that you're not, you have been greatly disserviced, okay? So don't fool yourself. Don't lie to yourself that you are not powerful okay 
And that was the message of Venus. Like, okay, you say you want to rest. I remember one night so clearly I was like slouching on the bed, scrolling through Instagram for way too long in the dark. Just, I just need to, I just, I got home from a long day. I just need to, you know, lay down, rest for a bit. And then literally I heard as clear as day, Venus said, okay, girl, um, how about you sit up straight, turn on some nice lights, little mood lighting, and just, just lay there and rest. That's what you really need. And it was funny because like, oh, this is self-love, right? <laughs> like actually listening. Okay. So got on another tangent. I think that's how the show is going to be. Hope you enjoy it. I love actually when podcasts go on little tangents. Hope this is interesting to you. Um, anyway, back to Venus. So she's considered the goddess of love, of romance, of beauty, of abundance. Um, and abundance is a really important word because it's not just about money. It's about the fact that there's an endless supply of love. Okay. And, you know, no external change is going to make you feel better. That comes from within. So if you don't love yourself or if you just are annoyed by yourself, I mean, self-love often doesn't look like hate. It's just like, oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, I can't believe I did this. Uh, 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 blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe just tell yourself like you're doing a great fucking job, right? Because you probably are. Now, I find that many of us are hard on ourselves about these big things when actually we're doing a great fucking job. And then we let the little things just slide. And I was that person. I still am. I'm working through this. And that was why I was getting these messages from Venus. These little messages, like the sit up straight message. Like, wow, I felt so much better. <laughs> you know, not staring at a tiny little screen. And actually in five minutes, I felt more rested than I'd felt in an hour scrolling through Instagram. Right. And, um, so abundance is about love, but it is of course about money also. And, um, I mean, money, why does money matter? It's so that we can redistribute the wealth. People worry about, you know, admitting that they want money, blah, blah, blah. Again, a more focused episode will come on that, but really if we can redistribute the wealth according to our values, regardless of the iron fist of capitalism, <laughs> you know, that's abundance. And that might be money. That might be resources. It might be time. I mean, some of us are really blessed with time. If you're unemployed looking for a job, you're blessed with time. You might not feel blessed, but you're blessed with time. You can do something with that time. I say this as I've been there. <laughs> so that's, so that's why, that to me is why Venus. And I really hope that that, kind of clarifies what the purpose of this podcast is. Rebirth of Venus is about, you know, talking dirty, about gritty, again, gritty spiritual evolution. It's a gritty path. Um, the self-love revolution, I do see this as the revolution because self-love feeds us to be love, which feeds, is how we fall in love. Could be with a person, could be with ourselves, could be with our lives. And that's love is the revolution. I, I believe that. No, I know that. I don't believe it. I know it. Um, and just how to embody the archetype of Venus every damn day. I really see her as the original bad bitch. <laughs> I really do. And 
Um, while we will be going deep in this podcast, we also are going to talk about some fun shit. You know, when I say, I mean, it, we can, it can be deep and fun, but when I say just fun stuff, the stuff that is, you know, seemingly small, those seemingly small little rituals, practices that bring us back to ourselves, that allow us to raise our standards on our whole existence. I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to give you a list of like, go out and buy all these things to be more Venusian in your life. Or, you know, oh, you have to do this. Like, if you don't do this, you're missing out. It's about choice here. It's about listening to what you need. And so the really I see embodying your highest potential as a sacred pleasure that Venus can teach us. And a lot of times that does look aesthetic. That does look like your surroundings. I personally don't believe that you, your home can be in total shambles and you can be happy. Now, I think a lot of people have led themselves to believe that's the case. But this isn't about, you know, buying a bunch of stuff to redecorate. This is about like cleaning, making sure the energy is good. A lot of these things are low cost or free. I And I, that's again... I would put these high standards on my home as far as how it looked. I am a former interior designer, but when I moved here with one suitcase um, almost exactly a year ago, I had to kind of um, relax my standards and I don't say lower because they were still the same, but I had to realize, really look deep and think like, wow, this actually doesn't bother me that everything isn't perfect. Why doesn't it bother me? Because the energy is right, because things are clean, which means the energy is right. So, um, you know, when it comes to like the getting dressed example I gave, again, it's not about buying a bunch of new clothes. It's about choosing the ones you have that actually really show how you want to show up. And that might just be the ones that feel good. I mean, sometimes I have a couple pieces of clothing that just feel like heaven and they actually aren't that cute, (laughs) you know, but when you feel like bliss, you behave in a blissful way and that's what you create in your life. So we will talk about some of those more aesthetic things, of course, but really the point here is that when you embody this energy, your life will evolve. Your life changes. When you look around and you say, is this actually my, is this actually the standard I have? Or what would I have to believe to... What I have to believe about myself, my worth, to, for my home always to be filthy. Um, and like doing the best you can. Of course, not everybody is blessed with the same amount of time. But doing what you can. Maybe it's just making sure one special spot is super, super clean. Right? In no way am I a clean freak. <laughs> this is something I'm working on. So, um Look at these as examples to inspire you to think about what you truly need, what your life is saying about you, not to blame yourself for anything. Absolutely not. Um, Particularly things that have been done to you. But you can choose what's next. Okay. So that was why Venus and the sacred pleasure of your highest potential. (laughs) So now to the last topic I wanted to talk about, Venus retrograde. I'm not going to go too, too deeply into this because um, everybody knows about Mercury retrograde, like, oh, the world's ending, the sky's falling. And luckily, the overall 
astrological slash pop astrological community has um, really started spreading the message that it's not that big of a deal. Um, And so I don't want to, you know, say the sky is falling around Venus retrograde either. So any any planet when it retrogrades, it is an illusion created by science, uh, <laughs> but it is an illusion that the planet is moving backwards in the sky. It's not, obviously, because that's not science. And I may be wooey all fucking day, but, you know, science exists. And um, so it's not really moving backwards in the sky. It appears to be. And so it's thought that the energy, that, again, the archetype, that that planet, that planetary energy embodies, that things will kind of come to a grinding halt or they'll move backwards. What this really means is it's any retrograde. It's never a good time to start new things. If you can help it, it's a better time to re-examine the things of the past. So any word that starts with re is a great thing to do during any retrograde. doesn't matter what retrograde. Rethink, reorganize, re-examine, um, review, recover. You want to rest. You want to... Really look at the foundation of things and think, okay, like make peace with your past, forgive, um, organize what you have instead of buying new things, Um, breathe new life into the things you have, things like that. It's a great time to slow down and it's a blessing for those reasons. Um, Now, Venus, as we've talked about in terms of the archetype of Venus, it's the same in astrology with the planet Venus. Venus rules love, relationships, friendship, beauty, aesthetics, um, abundance, these things. So in a Venus retrograde, it just goes to, you know, we can say that you would want to possibly not start a new relationship, um, that there may be trouble, uh, there may appear to be trouble in your relationships. Might, the trouble might not be real. You might feel dissatisfied. You maybe don't want to try a drastic new haircut or a total redecorating of your home. Now, I know I said to do things that begin with re, but redecorate, I mean, if you're using things you have, great. But if you're throwing everything out and you're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do a country chic, you know, you're going from like modern, new, like a, like an industrial modern sort of, um, you know, style in your home to country chic. Like that's kind of a stretch and you might hate it when it, once Venus goes direct. So you're better off just seeing what you can do with what you have. Um, Venus retrograde is kind of like a weird joke to me personally, because the last time Venus went retrograde, I um, left my marriage, (laughs) which is like pretty much the thing people say never to do. Got rid of all my possessions, gave them all away for the most part, one or two boxes exempt and went and traveled, went off traveling to my own little like eat, pray, love situation. (laughs) So many people in that period of my life said that to me. And it was so annoying to me because I'd seen the movie and I was like, I'm not like that. Even though, spoiler alert, I kind of liked the movie. Even though I know a lot of people were like hating on it. But then I finally read the book because I was like, why the hell not? I'm just going to do it. And I realized, and the book was, you know, obviously more nuanced than the movie. And I was like, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Anyhow, so um, this isn't to say that like, now, I know, and I don't regret that choice, I should say. That's very important to state. So, yes, I did that during Venus Retrograde. Yes, it happened very quickly. 
Um, some people might have been like, that's a terrible idea. It doesn't mean you're going to regret things. Sometimes you have to do things. And if something is brewing below the surface, it's going to come up during Venus retrograde. That's a blessing. I know I keep saying that's a blessing. That's a blessing. But it's true because we often view the quote unquote bad things that happen in our lives as bad, good and bad. But that's a human creation. That's a creation of the mind because you don't have any idea if it's good or bad. Now, time might tell you if it's good or bad, but I think I would challenge you. Even the worst things that have happened in your life, I'm not saying you're going to look back and be like, that was great, but you, I think you'd be hard pressed to find something in your life that you aren't able to go back to and realize it was more nuanced. Maybe it was terrible, but it led to something good or it led to just something else. It's not as black and white as, you know, good and bad. Anyhow, um, so if something is brewing, has been brewing, it will come up. And sure, you can choose to like wait until Venus retrograde is about 40 days. So what is that? I don't know the exact date, but like the end of November or so, beginning of December. Um, you might wait to make any big changes, but just realize like things might get kicked up. Um, any relationships you have that aren't, aren't up to snuff, aren't up to your the, the standards of your life. Um, may drop away. There may be trouble, trouble in those relationships, those friendships, um, your finances. Your don't overspend. This is not the best time to overspend. Now you have to spend money, obviously, but again, just focus on like, is this really going to give me what I need? And we spend so much money for comfort. We're all human, um, and it's important to realize. I mean, first of all, that's a that's a privilege that not everybody has. So um, enjoy that and appreciate that, first of all, that you have that privilege, that you have that problem, because for many people in the world, they don't have the problem <laughs> of you know, spending on the wrong things because there's not even enough for food. So put it in perspective, first of all, realize it's a privileged position to be in and realize that you have, you're lucky to have the choice in how you spend and and this isn't like a, you know, Dave Ramsey moment. No hate on Dave, Dave Ramsey. I actually just like, I think I have a Dave Ramsey book in the house here, actually. I should read it. Um, but my point is, this isn't about like traditional um, financial advice. This is about just really asking yourself, is this purchase serving me? It's a great thing to do during Venus Retrograde. It's something I'm, I've been working on a lot with myself um, in the past year. So, you know, when you're, especially if you're feeling bad. Again, this is about really coming to the root of what you need, which is what Venus is all about to me. If you're in a place where you're feeling uncomfortable or you're just unhappy, okay, like this week, you know, I felt kind of, I don't know, like a certain kind of way. And I was like, I want cookies. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. Eat the fucking cookies. It's not the end of the world. But I actually... <laughs> I wanted to get these fancy, really fancy, expensive cookies um, that are near one of the places I work. And then I like my work schedule changed and I wasn't going to be there after all. So I had to just deal with it, <laughs> not having the fancy, expensive cookies, which, you know, in all honesty, didn't really have the money in my wallet for anyway. So I um, I just, you know, dealt with not having that little stupid thing I thought I needed and I realized actually what I needed is a nap. <laughs> so 
So I took one or I laid down at least. And, you know, usually what we need is so simple. So if what you need is like, oh, I just really, really do want this material thing. That's fine. Enjoy it. You're not going to have regrets because you it's exactly what you want. You're happy about that. You have regrets when it's like, oh, I actually really just needed a nap and I bought this, you know, whatever. So again, a great thing during Venus retrograde to examine. So this isn't to be a downer. This is about the fact that like, Venus retrograde is an excellent time to start instituting these ideas, these practices of looking at your life and thinking, where can I do better? You know, I've done the best I can. I could up until this point, you know, just give that to yourself. This isn't about being like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I can't get my shit together. No, pick one little thing at a time in each moment. This isn't like, I'm going to have the best posture ever for the next for my rest of my life this is like oh I'm slouching right now I'm gonna sit up right now oh I feel better great this isn't about I'm gonna do yoga every day for two hours and you know learn to do the splits (laughs) this is about oh like I'm really feeling really rigid I'm gonna do some yoga right now that takes the pressure off. This isn't like a life change, but it becomes a life change because your life is made up of these different moments, these different choices. I'm a rebel. That's my personality type. And I've really struggled with many life changes because I had this idea. It was like all or nothing. Like, oh, I, I well, if I'm going to do yoga, I have to be like the best yogi in the world. <laughs> and recently I've actually been doing yoga every day for the past few weeks Because it's more of just like, oh, it feels really good. It's fun. Maybe I'll do like a small amount one day and more the other day because it feels good. Like it's whatever. You know, it's no pressure. So use Venus retrograde as a great time to look over these aspects of your life, especially focusing on your domicile, your home, um, your relationships, your friendships, So those are relationships, obviously, but my point is all kinds of relationships, not just romantic and also your relationship with yourself and um, really just think of how can I do, how can I make the most of what I have, what I have. And that is the message to me, the message of Venus. How can I make the most of what I have? And and your life will experience a rebirth. I guarantee it. So I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for listening. Um, This went a little longer than I expected, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some value out of something I said. Um, As one of my favorite podcasters, Jess Lively, always says, take what you like, leave the rest. You know, you are under no obligation to agree with everything I say, to believe everything I say, to do anything I say. Um, this is a process, pick what resonates with you, start there. And, um, if you have any questions, anything you'd like to say, I really would love to connect with you on Instagram. Again, my handle I'll put in the show notes is at rebirth underscore of Venus. And, um, I would love to talk with you there. I always met, I always answer my DMS unless they're, you know, Hey, Cause then it's just like, Oh, I know why you're messaging me. (laughs) Um, but I love connecting with you. Talk about these ideas. Tell me what you're experiencing. Tell me, you know, tell me if, if there's a place where you have noticed maybe a standard of your life you've let slip or maybe something you'd like to improve a little bit. And, um, I'd love to 
to bat around some ideas on how to do that. So thank you so much. I'll see you again next Friday for a new episode. And in the meantime, um, have an amazing week. Go kick some ass and embody the Venus. Embody the archetype of Venus in a way that really allows you to kick ass, take names, and look damn good doing it. Goodbye.